and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie, and each week we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back, weirdos, to episode number 94 of History for Weirdos. You may notice something a little different about this episode. It's just going to be me today. Yeah, Stephanie had surgery just a few days ago, and she's recovering. She's currently high as a kite and sedated. So you tell me, would it be either the best episode ever or the worst uh, I guess the jury's still out on that one, but nonetheless, she will not be a part of this episode. This is going to be a little strange because I've never done this before. This is the first and hopefully will be only podcast that is just me. Um, so let's see how this goes, guys. We'll see how it goes. This is hopefully a good, just little quirk in the history of history for weirdos. Anyways, I'm digressing, but... We did decide that we wanted to put out some really good content for you guys, especially since this is the midst of Summerween. So this is more of like a bonus episode. We'll still have our full four normal episodes for the uh, Summerween, but this is just going to be a little different. So again, this is a bonus episode, so it's going to be probably a little shorter than our normal ones, but we just wanted to continue the spirit of Summerween. And before I begin, I wanted to quickly address our audio issues that we have been having. Uh, We just started using some brand new equipment, and we had to work out like a few kinks. We believe that's sorted out now, but hopefully you guys are the judge, jury, and some of you the executioners as well. So hopefully we come across, you know, scot-free this time. And before we get into this uh, last thing, I want to remind you guys of our Italy trip is coming up next April, 2024. And just as a reminder, we're going to be going to Rome and Florence. Um, And there's a few spots available still for the discounted rate. So you guys want to, if you guys want to save, I think $300, you'll want to get on that pretty quickly. And you only need to put down 25% and there's zero interest charges. So uh, that's pretty, pretty neat. Um, The link to reserve your spot plus all the additional information that you need is in our show notes. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's dive into this week's episode. So if you've ever been camping, you probably have either been told Or you have told yourself a ghost story. I mean, even if you haven't been camping, you have probably have at least heard one. Between word of mouth, books, TV shows, and even movies, these these stories, they're out there. Usually these do fall under the category of horror, but not exclusively. Which is interesting because the oldest ghost stories that we have are certainly not part of the horror genre at all. They might be a little creepy at times, but I mean, we are talking about the dead after all. And how old are ghost stories, you might be asking yourself. Well, they're quite literally ancient. In fact, the oldest ghost story that 
I could find, or I should rephrase that, stories that had a ghost in it. The oldest one is most likely the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is about a semi-mythical ruler of Uruk during the Sumerian period, very, very long time ago. And I say semi-mythical because despite uh, the epic being fictitious itself, it may have been based on a real person who would have lived, you know, probably over 4,500 years ago. And in the story, the protagonist, Gilgamesh, he loses his best friend and quite possibly lover. The jury's still out on that one. His name was Enkidu, and he seeks his specter in the underworld. Gilgamesh does summon his friend back from the dead in the form of a ghost back into the mortal realm where they have a nice little chat about the underworld and what life was like down there. And in this this type of ghost story, it's pretty typical uh, in terms of the ancient world and really across civilizations uh, around the greater Mediterranean area. We even see a similar theme in the Greek epic poem, The Odyssey, where our hero in this story, Odysseus, has to travel to the underworld to see the seer, Tiresias. Along the way, he sees the ghosts of his friend Elpinor and that of his mother, actually. He had been away for over a decade at this point in time, so he wasn't even aware that she had passed. So when he sees her in the underworld, he has quite a shock. And you can tell from these interactions that the ghost stories of the ancient world were generally not scary. Again, possibly a bit eerie because you know this is, well, the underworld and uh, it's going to be scary down there. But it's a far cry from our modern horror stories involving ghosts and hauntings. But of course, there is just that one story that stands apart of the ancient world. And we find this story from one of the most important Roman authors in history, Pliny the Younger. Just to give you guys a bit of background, he was from an aristocratic family and lived during the first century AD and a wee bit into the second century as well. He wrote many letters and quite a few survived to this day, including the very first known written description of Christianity from the perspective of a non-Christian. Pretty impactful stuff right there. And side note, you can actually read these writings between Pliny and his friend slash boss slash Roman emperor Trajan, as Pliny was the local governor of a Roman province at that time. It's slightly comical, and I'll be as brief as possible, but essentially Pliny is concerned with Christians not worshiping the Roman deities, and he asked Trajan what to do about all of this. In a very Trajan-like fashion, Trajan lightly admonishes Pliny, saying that he appointed him to be governor so that he could handle the day-to-day of of his portion of the empire and let Trajan, you know, being the emperor, uh, deal with the much bigger things. I mean, after all, Trajan had far bigger fish to fry. He then instructs Pliny that, generally speaking, Christians should more or less be left alone if they're not causing too much of a ruckus. I'm oversimplifying this, of course, but I thought it was rather amusing and was pretty significant as it showed from a high level, at least, what non-Christians thought 
of Christians very early on in the development of the religion. But we're here for ghost stories after all. And this one comes, this or the one that comes from Pliny is quite possibly the earliest spooky ghost story that is known to us. And without further ado, let's begin. This is the story of the haunted house of ancient Athens. The story tells of a house in Athens that was very large, spacious, and in quite a good location. However, the house stood empty because the locals claimed it was haunted. At night, the sound of rattling chains could be heard coming from the house, which grew louder as you, grew, as you I guess, moved closer towards it. Locals who ventured to the house to investigate were met with an, an apparition of a man with a long white beard and empty eyes. The spirit terrified the local neighbors who passed many sleepless nights around the house. Pliny writes that the apparition never appeared during the day, but that the haunting was so potent that the house still evoked a sense of horror from people even in the middle of the day. Still, the house was too large and impressive to sit empty, so the neighbors hatched a plan to sell the house to an ignorant tenant who'd move in despite the haunting. They posted a rental notice and immediately attracted the eye of a philosopher who was new to town, Athenodorus. So during his visit, he accidentally encountered an announcement about the sale of the house, which in you know, no case corresponded to the actual value of the property. Very strange. He was intrigued, and he learned from the local residents about the mystery that possessed the home. The house was extraordinarily cheap, he comes to find, especially compared to what the, the actual market value should have been. So, what does he do? He buys the home. I mean, smart move or not smart move. We'll see. He moved in during the day, and as night started to come, he set up his home office, more or less, with a lamp, and, uh, and started just to write. The first part of the night was exceptionally quiet, and who knows, maybe this was just a ghost fable after all, right? Just a bunch of baloney. But that was not the case. Athenodorus started to hear the sound of chains rattling, just ever so slightly at first. But then they became louder and louder and louder. Far from being scared, this just made Athenodorus more and more inclined to continue his writings. Very stoic. Eventually, the sound was so loud that it was reverberating, reverberating, excuse me, <laughs> all around him. When he finally looked up, Athenodorus saw the spirit exactly as the locals had described it. An old shriveled man with wild hair, a long beard, and chains bound around his wrists and his ankles. And what could only be described as the most stoic thing a stoic philosopher has probably ever done. He just silently put up a single finger, implying to the ghost just to wait. I absolutely love that. Just what an absolute boss, honestly. While Athenodorus was writing, the ghost only continued to rattle his chains, making probably quite the bit of commotion, and also the fact that he could 
still continue to write while just ghost chains are rattling above his head. Mad props to Athenodorus. So he finally finished his writing and the ghost beckoned to follow him. So what does Athenodorus do? He does just that. He follows the ghost. The spirit led the philosopher out into the courtyard where it stopped and abruptly vanished. On that very same spot the next day, Athenodorus went to the authorities and asked them to dig in the very spot where the specter had just disapparated. Lo and behold, a body was discovered there bound in chains. The body was given a proper burial without the chains, of course, as was the custom in not only Greece, but in Rome as well. And apparently, the haunting stopped that very night, and Athenodorus ended up buying a nice, unhaunted house on quite the cheap. And well, weirdos, that's the story. Interestingly, this was a tale that Pliny was convinced was 100% real. And what surprises me about this is that it is remarkably similar to ghost stories that you hear today, right? Like, especially with the theme of finding a body of someone who had been wronged at the end of their life so that they could find peace is very palpable in lots of media. But remember, these stories were not as common in the ancient world, and they're more of a modern invention, sans the story of Pliny and the haunted house in Athens. Well, that's all there is for this week, weirdos. Uh, my sources for the week were The Collector, the actual epic of Gilgamesh. It's divided up in 12 tablets, but it is kind of one cohesive story. The Odyssey, of course, uh, a really great website called Imperium Romanum, a, an article on Medium by Grant Piper, very excellent, and, of course, a History for Weirdos favorite, Wikipedia. Well, folks, that's all we have for today. If you haven't already, make sure to go and subscribe to us on Instagram. We're even posting on the brand new social media threads. So you can go follow us at on both locations and see really cool things that are happening with the podcast and any updates that we make for it. So that's it, weirdos. Without further ado, adios. 